And welcome to the Daily Autism Radio Show as we expand the Daily Autism platform across these great radio stations on the Gulf Coast of Florida, Tampa Bay Area, and down into Sarasota. This is our first, I guess, radio version of the podcast, which has been around for a couple of years at dailyautism.com. So we're really excited to kind of expand the reach of the platform, meet new people, create new relationships with people uh, on the Gulf Coast of Florida. This is this is really cool. My name is Mark. This is my wife, Melissa. Hello. We have five kids, and I always have to take a break after I say that. We have five kids. Pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. <laughs> so we have five kids and our youngest, Cal, he's five years old, um, and he was diagnosed with autism, what are we, just over two years ago? In 2020. Yep. so uh, just about two years ago. And uh, that's how we got started with all of this. You know, we um, were, were, I guess, in a sense, very new to the autism world, uh, although it seems like it seems like we've been doing this forever, but it's uh, it's still kind of new to us. I mean, we're, we kind of learn things every day. So in that sense, it's cool because we're never really done learning as this this kind of changes and, and moves and um, it's never really consistent. But we're I guess we're somewhat new to this world. Yeah, so August 2020, he was diagnosed, so almost three years, and we were first introduced to it um, when he was 15 months old. Yeah, and I think, you know, just because this is the, you know, our first radio version of of the show, you know, maybe I think the best starting point is, okay, how did this all come to be? I mean, do you remember, you have a much better memory of, of the sequence of events and how this all started. Where were we? How old was Cal? And, you know, really, this show is really for parents um, of kids with, with, with autism or caregivers, uh, even therapists. You know, uh, you might have a, a niece or a nephew or cousin, you know, um, kind of describe the age, the range, the patterns, like everything that happened. And you kind of asked yourself or what did you ask yourself? Well, as a mom, it's actually something I will never forget because I was shocked. Um, at 15 months old, I had a friend that was a speech therapist, and she kept saying to me, he should be saying this many words at this age. And I, at the time, kind of was like, mind your own business. <laughs> but now I'm like super thankful um, that she spoke out. You know, like I think this is a very sensitive subject, but if you, uh, if you have education, on um, a speech delay or autism, I would definitely speak up um, to your loved ones. Okay, but well talk about real quick what exactly the friend said to you. Like when you talk about so many words at what age, what exactly, you know, what, what, what were those benchmarks that need to be hit that in this case we weren't hitting? So at 15 months, he should be saying 15 words. And he was actually our first kid that didn't walk um, when all the other kids walked at 12 months. So that was our first delay. He walked at 15 months. Then she's telling me he has a speech delay. I kept saying to the doctor, um, I'm worried about his speech. And the doctor kept putting me off like, OK, let's try 18 month checkup. And I was like, at what? At, then at 18 months, I'm like, this is like you keep putting me off. So then my friend said there is a program called Early Steps, which is in Florida. Every state has um, a program that can help your kid um, get evaluated for speech or a developmental delay. At that point in time, he was 22 months old. Early Steps came to our house. And I thought he was getting evaluated for speech. And at that point in time, the woman said, I, I would consider he's autistic. And I'm like, oh, my God, yeah, <laughs> what so does this mean? I remember that. Yeah, I remember that day um, because she had dropped a word that we had never even considered and really nobody around us had said. 
So back to the 15 words at 15 months. And then, so does that, does that keep going? Does it stay consistent? So at 18 months, is it 18 words, 20 months, 20 words? Is that? That's what I was told. Yes. Okay. And so at that point we had realized, I mean, he was nowhere close to 15 words, but, but he was mom, mommy, daddy, dog. Yes. He was verbal. Like, so what I was told at that point, he was labeling, he was imitating us. He wasn't just like saying words randomly, you know? Right. So dog, cat, mom, dad, you know? Yeah. Stuff you would expect to hear. I mean, it, it, it wasn't, you know, I mean, that those are words you hear from kids that age. So it, it wasn't like he was not saying things at all. He was verbal. Um, and it wasn't also like he was using words that we were like, whoa, like, that, how do you know that? How do you say that? Because that is that, believe it or not, happens sometimes um, with, with, with autism in, in, at that age. It's a little more rare, but it absolutely does happen. So the woman comes and that's early steps. Right. And I'm glad you mentioned that because a lot of people want, you know, they ask, where do I start? You know, I know something's not right. Where do I start? That's where we started was was early steps. And early steps um, goes up until they're three years old. Okay. So if you have a child younger than three years old, you're worried, reach out to early steps. They'll do an evaluation. And then he was actually, he got speech twice a week and he got developmental um, therapy twice a week. Right. And this is before a diagnosis, just to be clear. So early steps is not like you get a diagnosis and then you bring in early steps. Early steps comes in and they almost... Early steps is like a filter, right? They sort of start identifying deficiencies, um, where, where you know benchmarks that aren't being hit. So, and like you said, that's up to three. So that's kind of where you want to start. That's where we started, um, and like you said, that is um, that's available all over the state of Florida. It is, and it's not um, based off income. So if you think that you make too much money, you're not going to qualify. That is not the case. Like just reach out and get an evaluation. Yeah, so many. confusing aspects of this, you know, even bringing in the income. Um, There are people who believe that they may make too much money and they can't get some of these services. Some of these services, that is true, by the way, some, some, some that is true, but not so much. Moreover, and now it's starting to modernize a little bit. Your income is less important, which is a great thing because regardless of how much the parents make, the children need need these therapies. They need these services. They need these evaluations. They need to be analyzed. You know, data and analytics in autism is really becoming, I mean, it's a, it's a burgeoning aspect of it. You know, the, the data is so important in putting all this data and the benchmarks and everything. So I think that's, that's, a, that's a great point. So we started early steps. They come in. The woman says, we call it, we call it, you know, she, she dropped the A word. She said autism. I remember I was out for a run. I, I went on like a run and um, I came back and you were, you know, uh, confused. So upset. Very upset, very confused. Um, you told me what she had said and I had never, you know, even thought about it before. I mean, I tell people all the time, I think the only thing I knew about autism, you know, way back in 2020, which wasn't even that long ago, was watching Rain Man you know, which was, that movie came out in 1988. You know, I was like 10 years old or something when it came out. So, you know, I, that, that's really, when you said autism, that's, I, I was just like, I started thinking about Rain Man. And I'm like, what else, you know, but of course, so much has changed from 1988 to now. And so I started researching, which can be a good and bad thing, depending on, on where you go and, and the people you talk to and the kind of the sources you go to. Um, so Cal's there, he does the early steps. Then what, what happened next in that process? 
So the woman said, have you ever considered he's autistic? And I'm like, I don't know what you mean. I, I, I don't even know about autism. So she said, you need to reach out to a developmental pediatrician to get him diagnosed for autism. She said it takes about a year to get in. So at that point in time, I was just scared, confused. I was like, this can't happen. Like we have four healthy kids. Like, how is this happening? Um, he's a perfect baby. Like there's no signs of anything except he was um, had a speech delay. So I did not schedule the appointment with a developmental pediatrician. I let six months go by. And then the therapist that he was working with, I asked them, I'm like, I know you can't tell me, but do you see signs that he could be autistic? And they said, both said yes. So at that point in time, six months in, I scheduled the appointment with a developmental pediatrician, and then it took 10 months for me to get in. It's interesting you said you told the therapist, I know you can't tell me. But do you see signs about this? <laughs> and then they both said yes. Well, so. I mean, I know. But like they know. And, and the thing is, these therapists know and can see signs. But your regular primary pediatrician most likely does not know about autism. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, and, and we hear this from a lot of people. I mean, like I said, we this platform we've developed uh, over a couple of years with hundreds of podcasts and social media videos, an autism hotline, a LinkedIn newsletter. We have talked to thousands of families, hundreds of professionals, um, uh, many people who are, you know, entrepreneurs in the, in the category, in the space of autism. And it's really unbelievable what you just said. How many people say that they, they went to the regular pediatrician and they said the pediatrician, they really just don't know. They, they just don't know. And it's, of course it's not their fault. The training and the medical school. So it's just really not there for autism. I suspect that'll probably change as time, you know, time goes on because, you know, you look at the um, the, the rates of uh, diagnosis and, you know, they're exploding. I mean, they're exploding. And so you would think that at some point the pediatricians would maybe have to modernize the education, or, you know, the education that they're getting. Uh, maybe, maybe not. But what you say is correct, you know, and, and we, we've talked to parents before who have said, I can't believe my pediatrician never brought this up. You know, we know parents that, that brought it up to the pediatrician. And said, look, this is, you know, my other kids didn't do this. My other kids didn't do that. And the number one thing the pediatricians say, do they have older siblings? And if you say yes, said, well, the older siblings may be speaking for them, may be playing for them, you know. And I think that's just something that these pediatricians have gotten used to hearing and saying. So they just say it. Well, and if they're not educated on autism, I'm not saying all primary pediatricians, but most likely they don't know about it. I mean, we have a brother, a brother-in-law that went to med medical school. He doesn't know anything about autism, Yeah, you know? So if your doctor keeps pushing the can down the road saying, oh, we'll wait till this checkup, we'll wait till this checkup. Don't let that happen because Cal was diagnosed when he was, well, I, first autism, 22 months old. He was diagnosed at three. But if I would have been waiting for a primary pediatrician to tell me, you need to get a referral for this. Let's move forward. I would have been waiting until he was in kindergarten, which would have been a disaster. Right. And so what will happen at a diagnosis is they'll kind of give you, and of course, this is not a perfect science, but they'll give you kind of an age, well, you know, obviously the age of your child, but then the, um, this is the neurologist, correct me if I'm wrong. That's right, right? Yep. The, and a neurologist and psychologist, and then it's a team of people right. when you get diagnosed. And so they'll kind of give you a developmental age. So- Cal, I believe, was 
about a year and a half behind of his physical age. That's again, it's it, it, it's not a perfect science, but, right? But this is like you said, a team. I mean, this is a team, a psychologist, a neurologist, and and then a team of therapists. So this is an eight-hour day. I he, mean, this is serious stuff. <laughs> yeah, and I wanted to lead up to to, to that day also. Um, so you're going through this process, and what was the what was the exact time of how long it took from early steps saying, okay, I think we need to bring in some therapists to the day of diagnosis? You know, a lot of people don't realize there is a day of diagnosis, but how much time went by? Did it, ten months or so? It was ten months. It yes. was ten months. Okay, and now we talk to so many people that can't get in for almost two years. Yes. So if you have concerns, just get on the wait list. Because yeah. if you keep waiting, it's going to keep getting longer and longer. Yeah. Like, don't get discouraged because they say two years, you know, because there's other parents that are like, I'm not waiting two years. So they go find another doctor or in this process, people move. They move states. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. And some people just take their kids off the list for some reason or another. So it's great advice. Get on as, qu as quick as you can. Chances are you, you'll be able to get in earlier. But if if you never get on the list, well, you're never going to get in. So, you know, you got to You got to get on the list. So this goes on for, for 10 months. And, you know, like I said, we're, we're doing a lot of researching. We're doing a lot of, you know, I mean, really, it's, it, it's Google. I found out that, you know, uh, Google is not good for this, right? So I started going to Google.scholar because these are actually, you know, scholarly articles by scholars, uh, which, you know, Google can be ranked by who's paying money to get clicks. And Google has some value, of course, but for this, I found Google.scholar and kind of some other things, too, um, that were a little more beneficial. Uh, and, um, you, you know, I got to tell you, you, you're going through you're going through a lot of thinking. You know, you're going through a lot of thinking. It's almost uh, some grieving in advance. It's a little scary. It, it certainly is the unknown, you know, and, and we, you know, we have four other kids and thank God are amazingly healthy, great kids, athletes, um, you know, were either where they should have been developmentally or even ahead of schedule on some things. It's extremely lucky and, 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 and grateful and blessed and, and everything. And so this was just a wildly different world. You know, every, everybody comes at this with a different situation. You know, for some people, your first child gets diagnosed with autism. Others like us, it's your fifth. There's many parents, we run into a bunch of them that have two, three, four children who are special needs on the autism spectrum. And, um, I mean, we know a family, you know, one, one child is verbal, the other one's not verbal, both have autism. It, it just presents itself so differently in so many different ways. And, you know, you brought something up about, you know, I remember Cal when he was 10, 11, 12 months making perfect eye contact, you know, looking at you and laughing, you know, and, and, and that's, you know, there's, there's really no more eye contact as much anymore. So there was obviously some regression in there. So it, it can be a very scary process because you go, wait a minute, he used to do this. He used to do that. I remember this. I remember that. And then you don't see that, but it's like over time and, and you almost lose sense of, of the period of time. You just sort of go, oh, he doesn't look at me in my eyes anymore. You know, it's, it, it's things like that. And, and it's not like a, like a, in an instant, it's not a flash. It's just something that sort of kind of washes over you. And then you start to go, wait a minute. I'm also noticing this but he never did that before or he used to do that and he doesn't do that now. Right. You know, it's so many, just a wide, a wide array of, uh, of emotions um, in this whole thing. And again, it presents itself differently in, in everybody. So it really is interesting. We get together, we talk to other parents and everybody 
which I think is such a benefit of, of, of story sharing in the special needs community. Everybody brings something different to the table. Everybody has a different, a little bit different of a perspective, a story. Um, and uh, I just think that's really a great thing because you sit down and you can always hear something new from somebody else. You can always learn something from somebody else. I mean, the value in talking to other special needs parents is really unbelievable. And I, you know, I think that's the one thing that we always talk about. The reason we really started doing this is to say, hey, we've got to get out of our shell. We've got to share stories. We've got to share experiences. There's a lot of people, you know, uh, this happens to, and it's easy to become shut in, you know, and just kind of say, well, this is my new life. This is my new world. Um, so many special needs parents lose their careers. They lose employment. Uh, nearly 80% special needs couples get divorced, you know, and I think it's 69% lose their, lose their current career. So, you know, life changing for sure. Um, but the reality is, is there's so, there's so many of us. I mean, I, I had no idea. I really had no idea. Like I said, the only, anything I really understood about autism was a movie from the the 1900s <laughs> which is kind of hard to compare i mean i just saw that movie for the first time and you're looking at a grown man right but you know it's what all, i mean so it's hard to compare when you have this little tiny baby that's perfect yeah, you know but it's just the only you know what i mean it was the only thing i could remember about the word autism i just had no you know which i feel like you're hearing more and more about autism yep. but i was not educated on it at all so i try to spread our experience because every person with autism is different and if you're on the wait list for two years, there's so many therapies you can start ahead of time. And it's up to you as a parent to tell the doctor, your primary doctor, I need a referral for this. I need a referral for speech. I need a referral for occupational therapy. I need a referral for physical therapy. Because it's the doctor's not just going to say it if they don't know anything about autism. Exactly. Yeah. You have to become an advocate in advance of becoming an advocate. I know that sounds really strange, but you have to advocate for the process to begin right? and then get the diagnosis. And then you really got to step up the advocacy. So it's. Yeah. Cal had speech therapy, developmental therapy and occupational therapy all before he was diagnosed with autism. I had no idea what was going to happen once he got diagnosed, because then they're like, oh, he needs 20 hours a week of ABA therapy. And I'm like, how in the world am I going to add all this therapy in? But you find a way. And these therapists come to your house, which is super convenient. And so many parents are scared about therapy. But the therapists actually like become the child's friend. They're playing. There's so much development through play, which I had no idea. Like playing is so important for your child's development. We, we say all the time. So Cal's first therapist became his first best friend. And, yes. you know, it was really a, a super special relationship. I mean, He's not capable of having that type of relationship with us or his brothers and sisters. You know, his his autism, um, you know, he really picks places for people in his life. Right. You know what I mean? And he kind of decides who you are for him. You're not going to change that. I mean, uh, I've tried. <laughs> I've tried a lot. You know, you're not going to change that. So so you go with the flow. But, um, you know, for him, his first therapist became his best friend. They're still friends. They still see each other. She's no longer uh, doing therapy with him. But she sees him once every month and a half-ish, two months, and they kind of pick up right where they left off. So there's really value, like what you said, in early therapy and creating these relationships. It's important to keep mixing it up. You know, that's one thing I, I got to say. We're Listen, we're not good at everything, but we, we've done some things really well, you know, mixing it up um, and, and kind of, you know, giving him that, that variety 
you know, they say variety is the spice of life, and I think it's right, you know. So we kind of give him a lot of those uh, varied experiences with varied people. So it, it really is uh, it really is important. Uh, coming up, so here's what I want to get to coming up. I want to talk about the day, the day of the diagnosis, because like you said, there's months and months now in some scenarios, there's years before you get to the day. But there is a day. There's a day where they say, you got to come, you're going to be here, like you said, eight, nine hours, and... There's some anxiety leading up to the day because you're going to hear, you're going to hear a verdict from this panel of people. There's anxiety leading up to the day, and there's also anxiety every single day now. <laughs> All right. So coming up uh, in just a couple of minutes, let's get to the day. Let's talk through the day, and you know, let's kind of give a heads up to other parents uh, on what the day is like, what you can do leading up to the day, and then we'll move on to after the day and what we did. And life's got to go on and how you can how you can prepare for that. Uh, but first, our premier partner for the Daily Autism Radio Show is WarriorMom.org. The new book is called Warrior Mom. And this is Tracy Slepsevic. This is a, uh, a fascinating book. And really, WarriorMom.org is, a, is really a fascinating and really valuable uh, online portal. We were one of the first to read the book, actually. Tracy sent it to us before it even came out. Yeah, and she actually does a good job taking you step by step and describing all the different therapies. Yeah, it's um, you know, she describes it really well. It's it's kind of a guidebook, maybe the first guidebook for autism uh, parents of autism, because um, like you said, it's step by step. So many times I read a book, and I'm like five ten minutes into a chapter, and I can't remember what I just read, and I get frustrated because I'm like I can't remember anything. But this is this is kind of a guide, so it's very simple to understand. Uh, really, a remarkable journey on healing her son with autism with some really uh, remarkable non-traditional therapies, perspectives. Um, Tracy, really, you talk about an advocate for for her son. Uh, She did not accept the status quo of what doctors were telling her to do. Um, She really, um, you know, kind of combined the the research and really, like I said, a a remarkable story. And um, you can get that at warriormom.org. She's also uh, an entrepreneur. Um, she's a coach. She's a speaker. She's doing a lot of speaking now nationally and internationally uh, in autism. So um, she's a great person, great family. Uh, we've met her son, Noah, uh, which is what the really the book is about. But warriormom.org to connect with Tracy and all of her social media sites. And again, get the book, uh, warriormom.org. And as we tell everybody, um, if you don't specifically have a child with autism or a niece or nephew, but maybe maybe you know a coworker, a neighbor, a friend, um, you know, share this with them, warriormom.org. That would be absolutely awesome of you to do that. And we appreciate Tracy being our premier partner of the Daily Autism Radio Show. Oh, yes, the sound of Krabby Bills. Krabby Bills, the original Krabby Bills. Oh, man. Is this, is it? Krabby Bills, honestly, is a part of our family, the original Krabby Bills, Indian Rock Speech. And we thank them for being a partner here of the Daily Autism radio show. I love a good family business, you know, and then what I love even more is a family business that truly invests and appreciates in the community that they serve. And that is the original Krabby Bills. Again, one of our uh, partners here at the Daily Autism radio show. Coming up, Father's Day. Ah, It's our day. It's my day. It's coming up June 18th. Uh, Krabby Bills is offering a two course meal special. Get ready. Surf and turf. Ribeye steak, grilled shrimp topped with that garlic butter sauce. You get your veggies, the mashed potatoes, and of course, dessert 
Reese's peanut butter pie and that fresh whipped cream at the original Krabby Bills. That's all day Father's Day, June 18th. We were actually at Krabby Bills last night. And I tell people all the time, it was the first restaurant our family found when we moved here. We moved here from Las Vegas and we wound up on Indian Rocks Beach the day we, we had been driving all day, right? It was like the fourth leg of our tour to get here. And we said, we've been in the car so long, we've got to go to the beach. Remember that? Yeah. And we wound up on Indian Rocks Beach and we, I said, look at this place. It's unbelievable. It was the original Krabby Bills. and <laughs> Your favorite thing, a beach bar. Oh, it's absolutely fantastic. And we know we tell special needs families all the time, you got to get out. You got to have fun. You have to enjoy your life. It's easy to stay inside, to shut in, to think about the challenges. You can't let it weigh you down. So uh, I would say that, you know, the original Krabby Bills, Indian Rocks Beach is our premier uh, date night place. It's uh, it's one of our favorites. Our friends come in town from all over the, the country and the world, and we take them there all the time. So also live music at the loading dock. And that's probably one of our favorite spots of Krabby Bills because, um, you know, Krabby Bills and Indian Rocks Beach is kind of a complex in itself. It's 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 huge and it's got kind of all these different uh, these different areas. But uh, live music at the loading dock every day. I'm ready to go back. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see you there later today. But really, uh, thank you for supporting businesses here locally that support the Daily Autism radio show. Um, again, it's just phenomenal to, to work with businesses that, that reach out and invest uh, into the community that they serve. So thank you to Krabby Bills. And welcome back to the Daily Autism radio show on these great radio stations as we expand our platform from our online podcasts to our social media videos, our autism hotline, America's only autism hotline, our LinkedIn newsletter, and you can capture us, all of that stuff. We would love to connect at dailyautism.com. Melissa does a fantastic job on our uh, Facebook page. We have a very loyal, passionate, and uh, large audience on the Daily Autism Facebook page. But you can connect to us, get our email, all that great stuff at dailyautism.com. Actually, you can see Cal. He is the, the premier video when you go to dailyautism.com. Uh, you can see Cal playing with his baby sharks. He is... Uh, really uh, obsessed really with sharks and animals and aquatic life and everything like that. So uh, we'd love to connect with you, whether it's on uh, LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook at dailyautism.com. Okay. So we talked before the break about how we kind of got started with the world of autism, going through Cal's initial screenings, I guess you would say. And um, so it was 10 months. We were in the early steps program which really helped out a lot. I mean, that, you know, of course it was shocking at first and it was a little scary, but it was nice that the therapist came in. They started working with him before a diagnosis. And right. And that's when I, you can really start seeing delays, you know, when the therapists start working with him. And I'm like, oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. You know, the one, one of the really good things though is it got him used to therapies. It got him used to people coming to the house, meeting new people right. and engaging with, you know, kind of new personalities and things like that. So I think there, there was a lot of benefit for that. It also... It also got got us used to, hey, uh, our world is going to be different. Uh, we are going to have people in and out multiple times a day for hours a day for several days a week. You know, that was a change in our lifestyle and, and the other, you know, our other kids, too. Um, you know, think about this. I, you know, we had to make a kind of a, a decision. I was, uh, you know, a radio broadcaster, radio personality for 20 years. And in the world of radio, you have to move. I mean, it's just part of it. You know, you, 
Sometimes, uh, you know, the radio station, they change uh, programs, they change formats, they change management teams and everything, and you got to move and go somewhere else. And we just realized that wasn't going to be able to happen anymore. You know, that, that change, that really major impactful change was just going to be too much for Cal. So, you know, we, we made the Gulf Coast of Florida home. We decided it was going to be home. And, you know, I had to basically be home all day and manage these. Ther- I mean, you know, therapists are not allowed in the home with just the child they're giving therapy to. There has to be an adult. Right. You own a hair studio. You can't do that from home. So you had to be <laughs> at your studio working, you know, a career. So it kind of started to give us a sense, sort of a blueprint of what life was going to be like a little bit, you know, and how it was going to change and how we needed to adapt and adapt fast to the change. You know, this is one of these things you have to get to work and you got to get to work quick. This isn't like, I'm going to start working out three days a week at the gym. And then, you know, as time goes on, you're like, eh, some days it's two days a week. Maybe it's one day a week. No, this is consistent. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's really not much room for, for error. Okay. So we're waiting 10 months for the diagnosis or for the day of the diagnosis. You get the phone call. They give you the day. They say it's this day. It's this time. Right. And then... Talk about what what was the night like before as a mom? It, were you thinking, and then I'll, I'll answer this for myself in a minute, but were you thinking there's still a chance it's not autism? Even though this and that and all the conversations with these professionals, there, it, it could still be something else, right? Well, it wasn't really the night before because for the 10 months leading up to this, I was preparing myself. We had our Facebook page. I started talking about it, getting comfortable with it. It was the actual day of the diagnosis when I'm sitting in the room in front of the psychologist, in front of a therapist, and they're giving me the diagnosis results. And at that point in time, I thought, maybe, just maybe he's not, maybe. So you're you're saying like as they're, about to tell me. They're opening the folder and they're going to start. It, it, I'm kind of, I, I wasn't there. You were there. I'm imagining it's like somebody in a courtroom and everybody's like, this, this person's guilty. Right. They're going to prison. But then the jury walks in and then the guy or the girl, whoever, is in trouble. I mean, you know, this is not a real thing, but is going, wait a minute. I, I feel like I could be not guilty. I feel like they're going to say not. There's like that sudden last 11th hour moment of hope. Yeah. So this has been almost three years and it still makes me want to cry because as they're sitting in front of me and this little boy who's three years old is just moving around the room like a one and a half year old, like you were saying, the age difference of um, developmental. He was like developmentally like a year and a half behind. So as he's there, I'm like, she tells me the results and my heart just dropped. And I said to her, I literally said, I thought maybe, just maybe, like he wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> and it still makes me want to cry. And I started crying and she's like, I know it's going to be hard. And then she started talking to me about everything he needs. So she said the different levels of autism, you're high functioning, you're low functioning, or you're in the middle. Cal is right in the middle, which it's hard because we'll get to this later, but he's a seeker and avoider. And he's like, he's very complicated. But she said, he needs all this therapy. She started listing off ABA therapy, speech therapy. She told me those were the most important things, along with OT and PT. But she said he needed 20, 10 to 20 hours a week of ABA. And I'm just like, how in the world am I going to fit all this in? But she said he can either 
by using the therapy, he can either become functioning or if you don't do therapy, he can become severe. Yeah, and that's important, right? So rarely will the level of function at the diagnosis stay the same. It will either increase or, and this is very important, decrease. And yes, to apply more pressure to parents, it is up to the parents. It, yes, it is fully. up to the parents. Um, and, you know, it, nothing's a guarantee, but one thing's for sure. On its own, the level of, of developing higher function is very small. I, I mean, if you just say, I'm going to cross my fingers, hope for the best, uh, all of these neurologists will tell you that's not a strategy. Right. So he just had his yearly checkup. So they do a six-month or yearly checkup to make sure you're where you're at and other therapies that they can offer at that time. And I said, do you think he was born with this? Which is, there's a controversy about autism, you know, and what causes it. I said, do you (laughs) think that he was born with this? Because I still need to be like told sometimes. And he's like, yes, this is neurological. He was born with this. And I'm like, well, why didn't I see it when he was a baby? Like, it's just like, it just appeared. And um, he just said, as, as the kid needs more function to grow and develop, you start to see the regression. So that's the same thing with therapy. He needs to continue to do therapy, and he has for years. Otherwise, you're going to see regression. And still with therapy, we still see regression sometimes, and you kind of have to, like, reevaluate what you're doing and switch things up. Yeah, there's a seesaw pattern, you know, where you'll get on a roll, and you're like, wow, look at these words he's using. Look at these sentences he's stringing together. I mean, there are times where I think we'll count six, seven, eight, nine-word sentences, and it's like, wow, you know, this is... This is unbelievable, you know, but then sometimes that'll cool off a little bit and that's okay. That's okay because it, it, it can seesaw back, but you'll never get to those points if you don't start out as early as you possibly can. You know, it's like that saying, you know, when's the, when, yesterday was the best time to start something. The next best time to start something is today. And so whether for you that's research, whether it's therapy, maybe it's talking to your spouse about it. I mean, th- these moments are very tough, I think, for for a mom and a dad to talk about. Usually, you're not in like full agreement 100%. You could be close, but usually what we found with the people we've talked to, one was very concerned, the other one was like, "Uh, ah, it's okay." And then you and then you, you know, you add in the grandparents and, you know, then you add in friends and family. And you, you know, you're just it's like asking anybody's opinion about anything. You're just going to kind of get their version of it. But the reality is it's it, it, it's your child. And so, you know, like we mentioned before, you have to become the advocate before you're the advocate. You have to advocate for the process to begin just to see if you then in turn have to become the the advocate. You know, I can tell you that day you went, I was very, I was very carefree. I was very like, I almost didn't really think about it. I had thought about it way more in advance the day came, and I sort of wanted to not think about it. I think that might be a guy thing. <laughs> and you called me. I mean, this was, I, I think you, you guys had like a lunch. There was like a break, because it's a long, eight and a half hours or something. So you had like a break. You called, hey, you know, we're doing this. They're evaluating this. They're asking questions. I'm exhausted, da 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 because you had to get up very early in the morning. The night before, it wasn't great sleep. And you said, yeah, everything's fine. It's just going along, you know, whatever. And, and then you called after, and, and you said, it's autism. And I remember, like, it was almost like the first time I was even aware that Cal was even being evaluated for autism. It was so strange. It was like the, the 10 months before, di- didn't even, like, I forgot. 
Yes. It, it's it's so hard to articulate. It's like, oh, wait a minute. So it's real? And I couldn't remember all the stuff I had thought about before. I couldn't remember all the research I did. I'm talking hours of research. I mean, I mean, a day, you know, and it's, I couldn't remember it. It was so weird. I, 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 I was, I wasn't, some people say they get very sad, um, depressed, shocked. I just, I don't know. It was just like, I, I like you froze. Yeah. It was like, I, what do you mean? I, I didn't even know that this was a possibility. It was very strange. Well, the actual day is very strange because you're meeting with all these different people. I mean, you're meeting with at least three or four therapists. You're meeting with a neurologist, a, psych a psychologist, and then other people observing. I mean, they're critiquing every single thing your child does. And at that point in time, like he and he still does sometimes he lines toys up. You know, that was like a very early sign. Mm -hmm. He did not um, recognize his name. Like if you if they said Cal, Cal, he would not respond to it. No eye contact, did not care about socializing at the time, which is very different now, um, and was just in his own little world. Yeah, it was, um, you know, it, and I, the frustrating part about a lot of that, because we talked about it before, is he did some of that earlier on in life. I have pictures I show you sometimes, and I'm like, look at the way he's looking at me. You know, I was holding him, and... Um, I know, but then the regression happens. Right. It's It just... It, those are the really frustrating moments. You know, I, I've, there are pictures I, I save, you know, and, and I just, gosh, sometimes I look at him and I go, you know, he was there. And, but the hope is, and, and, and what we're working towards and all that we do is we might be able to get back there. And so it's not easy. It's not guaranteed. The only thing that's guaranteed, if you do nothing, then nothing will happen or even worse, there could be more regression. So that, it, you know, for us is very scary. You know, it's very scary. So, um, I will say when he was diagnosed, I didn't really still understand autism or see autism, but now years in and years and years of therapy, I can see autism now. Yeah. It's almost like once you become aware of what is happening, why it happens, you know, there's almost a pattern you can tell as parents. Now we can sort of see you know, everybody talks about meltdowns. You know, you can't detect them all, of course, but um, we can start kind of seeing where things are going. You know what I mean? We, we can start. There's some triggers. Um, and so that's actually really good for parents to, unfortunately, you only learn the hard way, right? But once you get there, you can sort of, you know, we've cut out some of the, some of the, big, the, the big meltdown um, triggers just because of learning and going through and walking, you know, walking the path. Right. Um, but we've had to take some lumps. I mean, we've 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 taken some sucker punches, you know, along the way, as all special needs parents do. But you do learn. And and, and in doing that, you're able to protect your child um, at times from themselves, you know, and then that's kind of a uh, sad at times reality of this. But but you do have to, you know, protect them from themselves at times, um, depending on how autism presents itself uh, in the specific in the specific child. So it really is. Um, you know, we wanted to devote this first day as we ex as we expand the daily autism platform to um, these radio stations. We kind of wanted to, to to spend the first show just talking about how we got here. You know, and the the toll it can take on you, and all of the reasons not to do it. They're right there for you. There's going to be people that say, "Don't worry about it." He's fine. He's fine. He's, you know, I know this one kid that didn't walk till they were 16 months. 
oh, he's got an older brother. She's got an older sister. They're talking for her. They're playing for him. They're not letting them, you know, uh, play with the blocks because they're doing it and stuff like that. Listen, that's always going to be there. Um, and that was there for us, too. Yes. If you're scared, I mean, of course it's scary. But if you feel like something needs, if you have any concerns, just let the professionals decide. You know, don't worry about everyone else. So that day with the evaluations, you're going to answer so many questions over and over again, loads of paperwork. He went through all the um, evaluations. Then we had a break. I drove him to the McDonald's down the street. I got him an ice cream cone. He's in his car seat. I turn around and he's sleeping because he's exhausted. And at that point in time is when it started to set in. Maybe I'm just overreacting. Maybe this isn't real. But before going to the actual appointment, they do this evaluation over the phone and ask you all these questions before they even bring you in because they're mm -hmm. not going to waste their time. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, you know, it's, you just tell that story right there about McDonald's and the ice cream cone. Do, do you remember when he loved eating ice cream cones? Yeah. And now he could care less about eating ice cream cones. I know. Everything changes. <laughs> but guess what? <laughs> no, she, he was eating carrots, baby food. He was eating sweet potato, baby food, all yeah. these things that he won't touch now. I know. I know. It's it's unbelievable. How he was eating scrambled eggs, avocado. I mean, he won't eat any of that. He now. actually, he was one of our best eaters. We used to say that when he was little. Yeah. Um, and he would actually try and eat kind of foods that kids usually wouldn't want to eat at that age. And now it's a very limited diet. But you said that about an ice cream cone. And I was like, gosh, I used to remember making those ice cream cones for him. Yeah. And he would love them. I mean, he just, he couldn't get enough of ice cream cones. And now you make him an ice cream cone and nope, nope. He'll put his hand down. Yeah. <laughs> so Cal is now with years of therapy. He's very verbal. He has a wide variety of words. Um, his level of function is still in the middle. Yeah. So he's five, uh, about to be six this summer. Um, just to recap for people who may be just joining us. Um, you just know, graduated kindergarten, just graduated kindergarten. He is verbal. Um, but obviously, you know, it is in that middle functioning, you know, we're dealing with, um, you know, self-harm, meltdowns, a limited diet, uh, and all the things that, that come along with that. You know, even the diet aspect of it affects behavior, you know, when, when you're not getting the nutrients you need. I mean, that's take autism out of it, you know. Right. Don't give a, a five-year-old uh, proper nutrients and they're going to be in a bad mood. You know what I mean? It's just... That's just going to be happens with our older kids. Well, I got the other kids Dunkin' Donuts today. They had bagel sandwiches, but I did not get him a donut because he's obsessed with donuts and then he wants to eat the sugar. People are going to think, gosh, lady, you talked about McDonald's and now you're talking about <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts. I mean, what are you guys doing over there? Oh, my God. <laughs> We're actually very, uh, believe it or not, health conscious with our kids. And we so, are. Um, Pardon Melissa for uh, <laughs> highlighting. We don't even eat fast food. Some very of America's often. best fast food brands as our uh, nutrient supplements, but yeah. There's a, I know, there's a lot of like sucker punches, I feel like, like punches in the gut that you feel through this journey. Because even after he was diagnosed um, when he was three, I had signed him up for our public schools to do like a three year old's program, mm -hmm. which I just assumed he was going to be at the public school our kids were at. And then it was like, nope, he has to be at this other school that has ASD program. ASD stands for autism. Yeah. Yeah. You, you'll learn a lot of these. Um, there's a lot of these codes uh, that you'll <laughs> learn in this world. RBT, ABA, ASD. I'm missing a ton of them. There's a ton more. STPT. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I, I, feel like, I, I feel like I'm talking in code. Like, I'll be talking to friends about this who, who don't have kids with autism, and they just start looking at me. And I'm like, what's wrong? And they're like... 
we don't understand anything you're talking about. <laughs> you're using all these codes. And I'm like, I'm sorry. It's my new, this is my new life. Oh my and gosh. I, I've got to know when, it, when I'm talking to people who don't understand this language. So, um, no, it's, it, it, it's really true. So, so he's at a public school that has an ASD program, which means he's in a class with all autistic kids. Um, at different levels, different functioning levels. So that's the one thing about public schools and ASD programs. You know, you're not going to find, you know, a program that's just nonverbal or just high functioning. It is, it is um, a variety of functions within the, w- within the one classroom for the public schools. Now, there's private school opportunities. There's, um, you know, there, there, there's other centers and stuff you can go to, and they can um, kind of apply those, those filters a little bit and, and section off a little bit. That's up to the parents, you know, with, with whatever you decide. And, and that's the other thing about this, too. Really, I tell parents all the time, don't get married to one idea. Don't get married to one strategy, one perspective. At the end of the day, you know, your child's going to decide um, what's best for them. And you're gonna, But they're not going to be able to tell you. And that's a frustrating part of it. But you're going to be able to see it. But you have to be ready to get flexible and adjust. We've adjusted our life, <laughs> our schedules, our, geez, careers, our ability to be non-special needs parents to our other four kids, which is very important. You know, Cal needs special needs parents. Our other four kids, they don't need special needs parents. We've got to figure out how to be a special needs parents when we need it, but also when to turn it off. Yeah, and I love it when you say that because their life has changed too. I mean, being a sibling of a special needs child is hard. Yeah, you have to, as a parent, I mean, this is really... um, I don't know, whatever words I would use aren't going to do it justice. So I'll just leave it be. But you just have to be ready to turn this on and off because your special needs children need you as a special needs parent. Your non-special needs kids absolutely do not need you to be the special needs parent. They need mom and dad. You know, dad, you know, I I coach my kids in their sports. It's, um, you know, for me, it's the coolest thing I do right now. And I love it. And they need it. You know what I mean? So you still have to be able to do that stuff. But man, does it take some energy. Wow. <laughs> I know. Uh, we got to get a coffee sponsor because uh, <laughs> it takes it takes some um, some energy. So as we wind down here in the next few minutes on the Daily Autism radio show, which this has been an absolute blast. Going to look forward to doing this uh, every week on these great radio stations, a part of Salem Media. We appreciate Salem Media uh, teaming up with us uh, to, to, to offer this to their uh, very large audience here throughout the Tampa Bay area and Sarasota all across the uh, Gulf Coast here of Florida. It's kind of like I said before in reading a book. Sometimes I'll read the book and I'll get 30 pages in. I go, gosh, I can't remember anything. So I kind of want to highlight one thing that we talked about here in the last couple of minutes. Um, Early steps. Since we kind of started off at the beginning of our journey with autism and cow, I think the thing that I'd want people to take out of this as a, uh, a possible uh, parent of autism or somebody who's going through the process, maybe you know somebody who's going through the process, get a hold of early steps here in Florida, right? Right. And they're going to begin the process of evaluating and kind of guiding you through the process of possibly going and getting a diagnosis. Yep. They will tell you what you need. I mean, as far as speech, developmental, um, OT, PT, all of it. And they come to your home or you can go to their therapy center. Okay. So, yep, they can come to your house. You can go to them. Um, early steps all across Florida. That would probably be our, our premier, our value touch point number one in this process, right, would be to get a hold of them and then kind of let them start steering you through. I mean, I, I was thinking back. I mean, they were our first kind of tool in the toolkit 
Yep. Let them help you. I mean, developmental um, therapy helped Cal learn how to learn how to eat with a spoon. Right. Yeah. You forget all those things. I know. You forget all of those things. I mean, it, it, it's, it's really incredible. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Um, and like I said, looking forward to doing this weekly. Our platform, dailyautism.com. Uh, we have hundreds of podcasts on all the podcast platforms. So uh, look those up. Uh, you know, like I said, you might have to go way back to the beginning or just pick up wherever you want to. We're very active on social media. We'd love to connect with you on social media. Again, all of the links are at dailyautism.com. Facebook, Melissa's the queen of Facebook. She's, uh, I mean, you've assembled really a remarkable kind of tribe of people there. People in the Tampa Bay area, nationally. Now we've got people in Ireland and London following along, and we're all kind of learning with each other and having fun with each other. It's it, it's been fun. TikTok has been very active. Instagram, uh, we do the uh, LinkedIn newsletter uh, on LinkedIn, which you can connect there at dailyautism.com. America's only autism hotline. Uh, we offer hotline you can call. It's recorded messages of products and services for autism. Occasionally, there's deals that families uh, who, are, who are dealing with the challenges of autism can get. So you can get all of that information there at dailyautism.com. And uh, Melissa would probably love it if you uh, connected uh, with us on our Facebook page, which we are very active on. You'll see the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's all there. I say, you know, people say, well, you know, what, what's it all about? I said, you know what? It's fun. It's sad, but it's always real. And that's always. Always. So, you know, that's what we're doing. So, We'll see you on the social medias. Uh, again, the link's dailyautism.com. Thank you again to Tracy Slepsevic. She is the warrior mom, warriormom.org. The new book is out. It is ready for you. It's a fantastic guidebook. We're actually going to have Tracy on next week or the week after. Um, she just really gives some great value uh, in the world of autism for parents. So warriormom.org. Uh, one of our premier partners, and Krabby Bills, the original Krabby Bills on Indian Rock Beach. Really appreciate the support of that fantastic family and their fantastic business as they um, invest in uh, the community that they serve. We're also powered by America's only autism hotline, 877-344-ATSM. No algorithms, no clickbait, just connecting parents of autism to the products and services for autism even exclusive deals for families of autism. 877-344-ATSM. You can also get that at dailyautism.com. We'll see you next week and online 24-7 at dailyautism.com.